Um, I'm gonna start this morning with a, a quote that I just absolutely love. The soul is like a wild animal, tough, resilient, savvy, self-sufficient, and yet exceedingly shy. If we wanna see a wild animal, the last thing we should do is go crashing through the woods, shouting for the creature to come out. But if we are willing to walk quietly into the woods and sit silently for an hour or two at the base of a tree, the creature we are waiting for may well emerge. And out of the corner of an eye, we will catch a glimpse of the precious wildness that we seek. This quote is from Parker Palmer, uh, if you're familiar with him, and it's one of the first quotes that stands out to me as I was first introduced to the term spiritual formation and invited um, into experiencing a more contemplative and slower lifestyle and stream of faith, and that was about 10 years ago. And if we fast forward to last week, um, I was on a bike ride, and as I came around the corner of the bike path, uh, I saw a deer sitting right out in front of me, and I remembered this quote. Um, and as I slowed down, because I, I did not want to scare it, I, just, I remember this quote, I did not want to scare the deer, and I stopped, and we just stared at each other for just, I mean, it was just seconds, but we were about 10, 10 feet apart. <clears throat> And I just had this overwhelming sense of gratitude that years ago I was invited to stop crashing through the woods uh, and shouting my way through my own spiritual journey with Jesus. And I was invited to things like breathing and slowing down and paying attention and even to silence. And ultimately, I, I, I didn't even know this at the time, but I was invited into an entirely different way to live. Uh, and it changed my life in the very best way. And I feel, I feel like I've practically grown up at Open Door, um, and although I wasn't a kid or student here, uh, I've been here for 14 years. So I've spent some of my 20s, all of my 30s, and now I'm into my 40s. And this place has been so incredibly significant uh, in creating an environment for my soul to even want to come out of hiding. <laughs> um, before I came to Open Door, I came out of an environment that was very concerned about outward behavior. It was much more concerned about the outward appearance than any sort of inward transformation. And when I got here, before those values that you see on the wall were written there in plain sight, um, they were part of Open Door, but they just weren't written for everyone to see at that point. Um, I wanted to know if this was a place that I could actually explore my faith and questions because at that point, 15 years ago, I had become so exhausted from always having to manage the minutia of my behavior. And I wanted to see if I could show up as I really, as I really am and be myself. And I wondered if that was really true, if I would really be welcomed. Our vision statement at Open Door is to be a community of people radically committed to spiritual formation for the sake of others. And this is 
a pretty big, bold statement. Um, and 14 years late, later, I believe we are. And we don't do it perfect. And sometimes we don't even do it very well. <laughs> um, but I believe we're doing it. And I believe we are being it. And I believe we are becoming that kind of a community of people. And uh, I, again, just am overwhelmed with a sense of gratitude. And I love the chance to be on this journey with you all. So as Dave shared last week, um, and as Tom talked today, we're pausing our Mark series in order to talk about our mission, vision, and values. Um, and this fall, we're leaning into the practice of embracing our calling as one of God's beloved, with our primary call being that we actually make the choice and the commitment to receive that love from God, and we give it away. So this seems like a perfect place to revisit some of what makes open door, open door and to be reminded and encouraged of the beauty that, that really has the potential to shape us as followers of Jesus. So whether you are new to the community or not, welcome. And I, I think more than a great vision statement or mission statement, um, I've been praying that, these, that through these few weekends that um, like collectively our own souls might experience and we might be invited into, into a much needed slowing and resting. And that like the wild animal, our souls might even have a chance to show up again if, they, if you haven't seen it for a while. And I think that's such a beautiful picture for us as individuals because that matters for us as individuals and what a powerful picture for this to be a community of people. An entire church full of people that are willing or even interested in the inner life and in your soul and to be open to God. I mean, I, it just, it's fun to imagine what that could even mean for our lives and for our church and for all the relationships that are represented here and for the world. Um, so, I think, you know, this, all this stuff that you hear come out of my mouth is not just mine. Um, I read a lot, I listen a lot. Um, I've, I feel like I'm also standing on the, the shoulders of so many amazing people that have been on staff who have made spiritual formation um, sort of into the soil here and even so many of you that we less like encourage one another and so, um, I feel grateful to be able to capture this this morning in that like it's my mouth moving, but there's so much more behind it. Um, and in this particular morning, there are three books that have really informed this um, talk. And one of them is the Bible. Yeah, <laughs> isn't that good? Yep. Uh, the other one is Invitation to a Journey by Robert Mulholland. Um, and the other is The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. So if we, if we can throw that vision statement back up there. Um, so just to, to say it again, our vision statement is to be a community of people radically committed to spiritual formation for the sake of others. Which is, that's, I mean, whatever, that's so easy, right? 
Um, but, it's, but it's good, man. Um, but but I, I just feel like um, in this, in this uh, entire church, I just feel like we don't take ourselves that seriously, but we take God very seriously. And so um, as we dive into some like, I mean, talking about the soul is, you know, that's deep, but I just um, wanna have some fun with that. Are you good with that? Are, and are you willing to have some fun? Okay, okay. Well, you might have to drum it up yourself because this could get, get deep. Okay, um, but let's, let's first talk about you and me and, and how we were created like in Genesis, in the first book of the Bible because um, I think it matters. I mean, I think it matters a lot, but I think it really matters to spiritual formation. So as God is creating the world at the start of the story, it's formless and void, and he start, he's just creating the world and everything in it. Um, and it, it's just this beautiful chapter of how he speaks things into existence, and then he gets to creating humans. It says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. The story um, of this cre- the creation of the world is wrapped up in chapter one as God creates man, and then the first thing that God and man do together is rest, which I find every time I read it, I'm like, that is fascinating. They Sabbath together. They delight in creation. That's the first thing that God does with man. And when we pick this up in chapter two, we see the more detailed account of that creation. So chapter one wraps up the story and then two, we get some more details about how man was created. And in Genesis 2, 7, it says, then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. So we humans are created in the image and likeness of God and we're formed from the dust of the ground. This finite material. And God breathes into man's nostrils the breath of life and he comes to life. In the entire first chapter of Genesis, we see on full display the power and creativity of God as he speaks. He just speaks things into existence. And we're formed by God out of the dust of the ground into this image that he stamps right on our hearts. Every single one of us is created in the image of God. So it's no wonder that that we want to create and build and design and accumulate and assist and lead It's no wonder that we wanna help and fix and insert ourselves all over the place. Especially in places that we don't always need to be. And it's, it's no wonder created in the image of God that we feel like we always need to be available to everyone. It's no wonder that we have such depth to our longings and desires that go unsatisfied, like something is missing or broken or not quite right. And there, personally, I think there would be a pretty, I don't think it'd be a great solution, but I think it'd be an easy solution for this. Because everything would be fine if we were just more like God. Where we could be multiple places at one time, we could know more, we could be more, we could do more, and life would just be easier if we could just do all the things. Well, I think we know that's not possible, and this is the struggle of being human. 
Because the struggle lies in the fact that we are beautifully knit together, known and formed by this limitless creator God. And we're limited by our body, time, energy, strength, and a number of things. And I think it's good that we are reminded over and over again that we are both dust and breath. We are both infinite and finite. And even as our capacity of our heart starts to grow through the work of the Holy Spirit, we still live in the same body. And even as our eyes are opened and we're revealed the depths and the wisdom of God, still the same body, limited. So if we move to the next chapter of Genesis and we see this serpent invite Eve to disobey God and eat from the only tree that he instructed them not to because it leads to death. The serpent paints this picture for her as God is, that God is limiting his creation from its full potential of becoming God. So she and Adam grasp at the chance. I mean, if you think of all the, like, if we just put ourselves into the store and you think of all the things you could do, you think of all the things you could accomplish, think of all the business of other people's lives that you could get into, think of all the things you could know and all the people that you could help. Think of all the places that you could go and all the things that you could just speak into existence. It sounds kind of tempting. <laughs> and I think we need to feel that tension to be, both the create, that to be both created in the image of a limitless God and to be created with the limitation of human life. Which feels kind of like a daily, hourly tension. And this is a struggle that Dave talked about last week, the struggle of full life and not death. The struggle to let go of control of our own spiritual life and its outcomes. We had the fruit tree versus the Christmas tree. Instead of trying to make it happen, drum it up and grasp it at all, we nurture it like a garden. Instead of adorning it from the outside in, we're renewed from the inside out. And instead of slowly wasting away, we become more alive. Instead of trying to perform, we can be transformed. So I think the question is, is how do you actually live with this struggle and with this tension if our desire is full life rather than death? And I came to an answer that is not gonna surprise you. And I believe it with all my heart. How do you live with this struggle and this tension if we desire full life rather than death? And the answer to me is Jesus. I'm more convinced even after studying that I believe that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And that following him and becoming a disciple or apprentice of him is the only, is the only way that can show us how to live our lives at peace and wholeness with the limitless and the limited nature of our created humanity. 
I think we talk a lot here about what um, to practice the presence and the way of Jesus. Well, what does that mean? And it's just being with him and doing what he did. And then how do spiritual formations fit into all of this? And we simply define spiritual formation um, as the process of becoming more like Jesus together. And that's what we as a church say we're radically committed to, which I'm cool with that. In his letters, Paul refers to some form of us in Christ or Christ in us 89 times. And Robert Mulholland describes spiritual formation as the great reversal. From acting to bring about the desired results in our lives to being acted upon by God and responding in ways that allow God to bring about God's purposes. And there's a big difference here from being in control to allowing the spirit-driven process of formation to occur. Instead of grasping for results, we are being acted upon by God and then we're responding to him in ways that allow God to do his work in and through us, which should give us a really huge, great deal of relief. Spiritual formation is not the absence of doing anything. It is not this hole of nothingness where we just like let it all go and it'll be fine and let it happen. It's actually this hard work and the struggle of choosing over and over and over to relinquish control and allowing God to be God because we are not, even if we want to or try to be. In his letter to the Romans, Paul uses the word transformation as he refers to the renewing of the mind. In Romans 12, too, he says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The Greek word that they use here for transformation refers to the same type of metamorphosis where a caterpillar enters into the dark cocoon, turns into mush, and over time comes out changed beyond recognition and beyond function because it, it grows wings. The caterpillar what willingly walks into the cocoon, creates it, and gives itself over to this slow process and allows itself to be available for change. And the crazy thing is, is that our mind, as Paul talks about, can actually be transformed and renewed to take on the same mind of Christ. If we pop back to Genesis and we have observed together this way that the hu where human beings blow past the limitation and boundary and choose to exceed what was lovingly attended for them. And they grasp to be more. That is one way. And here's another way. Philippians 2, 5 through 8 says that you must have the same attitude or mindset that Christ Jesus had. And though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. 
And I reflected um, on this passage quite a bit over the last few weeks. And I, um, and we even studied Philippians back, I don't know, in the last several years. <laughs> um, and I'm just blown away that Jesus did not cling to his equality with God. Instead, he gave up his privileges with humility and took the position of a servant and was born a human being. And I contemplated this over and over and thought, if Jesus didn't grasp or cling to his equality with God, can I? That is the very thing that Adam and Eve clung to and wanted to gain, equality with God, past their human limits, past their boundaries, and ultimately leading them to places of shame and death and separation from God. And I think this matters to the foundations of our view on spiritual formation and why, um, and part of why, the why behind practicing the presence and way of Jesus. Because we can live always grasping for more and clinging to what is outside of us. Or we are invited to live from within, at peace with our limitations and at rest in being one in whom Christ dwells and delights. He, Jesus is really the only one who can show us how to lean into both our created image of God and our limitation. He did this uh, image of God and human thing perfectly. And he, he is our greatest guide to living in this tension of this limitless and limited nature of our humanity. But the hard part is that living like Jesus and practicing his way really pushes on our innate desire to live outside of our limits. But he so gently keeps calling us back to this different way to live. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28 through 30 says, um, and I hope this is a familiar passage, and if it's not, it is the gift of all gifts. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. John Mark Comer was quoting Dallas Willard um, when he talked about the secret of the easy yoke. And every rabbi in those days had a yoke, what they would consider a way of shouldering life. And he goes on to say that it wasn't weird that Jesus had a yoke, because they all did, The crazy thing is that his was easy. The way of Jesus shows us to walk through the hard, beautiful, complicated parts of life with it. Gosh. I know know where this is coming coming from, these uh, tears that are starting to, I mean, I know they come a lot, but I know where these ones are coming from. Jesus shows us how to walk through the hard, beautiful, and complicated parts of life. 
with an easy way to shoulder it. And I know, I know where these tears are coming from because I want that for me and I want that for us as a community of people. And for many of us, the first step for us is gonna, is gonna be committed to trying to figure out how to slow down. And this might come, and some of you have already chosen this way and that's beautiful. And for some of you, this is going to come more simply than for others. Spiritual formation at Open Door and the entirety of Christianity is not a new thing. We've talked about it for many years around here and we've talked about things like silence and solitude and Sabbath and um, to quote Dallas Willard again, he says the enemy, that, that hurry is the enemy of spiritual formation and that you can't even love when you are rushing past. And to follow Jesus, we will need to practice his presence and way how to be with him and how to be like him. So what does it look like to practice the presence of God and to be with Jesus? Um, I mean, it could look like so many different ways, but I just, I wanna say this one thing that um, it's the presence of God that changes everything. And once we understand that first, that's super important. Because we cannot transform ourselves. That is not what this is about. That is the work of the Holy Spirit and the invitations from God but we can create space and we can open ourselves up to hear what God has to say and we can rest and we can trust and we can converse with him and we can just acknowledge his presence in our everyday life as we are coming and going and doing dishes and whatever you do in your everyday life to acknowledge like, oh, you're here. The presence of God changes everything and we start to bring attention that God is here that he is around us, that I'm creating the image. I mean, some of these just things we need to just rewash over our hearts and minds and souls. You begin to welcome the interruptions of life and you just are simply with God. Second Corinthians 3.18 says, and we all with the unfailed, unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory and are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the spirit. Spending time contemplating even the vastness and the glory of God brings, brings about the transformation in the image of Jesus. And many people do this um, outside and in nature because God is, the, the vastness and the glory of God is consistently on display. And this type of contemplation is that slow, restful work of spiritual formation. And this, the, whole, the whole spiritual journey starts off with desire. This desire to be with God, this desire to be loved, this desire to be significant or to be satisfied. It's a deep longing to live as we were intended to and to live a life that works. It's like a, just a, a longing or a yearning. So I, I wonder for us, um, Maybe that desire in you needs attention. 
And maybe the, that desire doesn't even exist. I think that's okay. And I think you're right where you are and that is right where you need to be. And I would encourage you if that is you, where your desire, you don't even, you don't even maybe desire God anymore. If that's you, I would just be curious if you would be willing to sort of jump off and start asking yourself some questions. Questions like, what is it that my heart is most longing for? And how is it that I wanna be with God? And how might God want to be with me? Because the presence of God and that longing and desire to be met in the presence of God is what changes everything. And right alongside being with Jesus and practicing his presence is practicing his way. And again, back to Matthew 11, the come to me. I love how Eugene Peterson talks about it. He says, come with me, come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me and watch how I do it. And learned unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I think sometimes, um, or at least my experience in the church is that we talk a lot more about being in the presence of God than we do about practicing his way. And actually uh, what that might look like to change behavior. <laughs> Again, that's funny that I say that because I just told you that I came out of a place that was about behavior management. Um, but I, so not that. Can we resist the urge to go towards behavior management in this and wonder if we're doing a good job at this or wondering if we're sabbathing or silencing well enough or whatever that is. But we start to walk alongside Jesus and we start to wonder if there are rhythms that he had that we can actually adopt into our life that might open us up to a more light way to shoulder life. So, I mean, I'm just gonna run by a few of these because it's just not enough time in the day to talk about all the things that are related to spiritual formation. Um, and we already touched on one of these, but Sabbath and choosing to rest and stop. Remembering, I mean, just remember that it is the first thing. God asked nothing of his human person that he made. He asked nothing of him, but just let's sit down and just like, let's just look at everything I made. Like I'll point it out, like I wanna show you the heavens, like, oh, I did that. I mean, this is just, this is a day for delighting and resting and realizing that we are not God because once we start moving towards that place where we want to be God, even though we don't say it like that, we insert ourselves into places, we come back every seven days, we're invited to say, oh, that's right. Thank you for reminding me that I need to rest and that I am not God and that there is a day for, de for delight. 
So another one is silence. Again, these are, these are just, these are disciplines and practices um, that have been around for so long. But um, I'm just curious to, if you have no silence in your life, there is no place where you don't have a radio on, um, you don't have a human being, you know, knocking at the door while you're in the bathroom or whatever that is. If, if you do not have an opportunity um, to have silence or that's not built into your life, I just wanna invite you to just go after it, even if it's for a minute. However that looks like for you, I just wanna invite you because, again, the presence of God is what transforms our mind and heart and to be alone where there is nothing but maybe something for you in the silence. And then solitude. Um, and that's actually being going away, which can be hard um, for some. But figuring out just, these are, again, these are just ways in which Jesus lived his life. And so if he is the perfect way to live this human tension, then I would strongly suggest we start following him. <clears throat> um, yeah, so I, um, I'm kind of on the downswing of this, of this little talk, and I, I wanna just give a little plug for um, a little retreat that Vicki Degner and I are doing in a couple weeks, and it's like a Sunday lunch thing after church on the 16th, um, and it's called Living with Order and Intention, and it walks out sort of this rule of life um, so if you have, and if this is, if that's like speaking to you right now or you're like, actually, I would love to take a couple hours to just re-sort out my life and see where um, I can make space for God, where I actually want to be with God right now and w- like what doesn't fit anymore that I've been trying to like square peg in the round hole um, and just wonder if, you know, if there's a desire that's popping up in you to be with God in a certain way, there's actually, we can actually have some fun in creating like a strategy and like a a tool to wonder if we could actually make steps towards that. Because like I said, spiritual formation is not just the hands off, I'm just gonna let you do it and I'll be over here in the corner. It is full engagement of our life and our heart Uh, But we just have to learn how to let go of control and realize that we are not God. Um, Okay, so wrapping up this vision statement. To be a community of people radically committed to spiritual formation for the sake of others. Community. Spiritual journey of any kind, whether you're at open door or otherwise, or you are just like flying in and visiting, is just as communal as it is individual. And we were never meant to walk this journey alone. And I think I said this before, but I mean, can you even imagine the presence of God that we could be in the world united around a vision like this? to encourage one another and to spur one another on in practicing the presence and way of Jesus. I mean, I think that would change the questions that we ask one another when we're flying by the GP. I think it would change the way that we saw one another when we go to church. I think that would change the way that we saw the the 
person uh, that we get chicken fingers from at Cane's. Like this is, it just starts to change literally everything. Uh, Next word is radically. Some people don't like this word. It is attached to some very uh, negative, you know, connotation. So that's not, not interested in that. However, I love the definition of this word as it relates to our commitment to spiritual formation because just by definition, radical means in terms of change or action that it affects the fundamental nature of something and it is far-reaching and thorough. So we're making a radical commitment that would affect the very fundamental nature that is far-reaching and thorough Like, I'm like, yeah, I can get behind a radical commitment to becoming more like Jesus, that it affects everything that we do. And the last last tagline on our mission statement is for the sake of others. This is our active expression to the world. Paul, Paul labored over and over until Christ was formed in the people that he loved. There's active work for the sake of others. And Jesus summed it up in all the, summed up all the law and the prophets. You love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So this journey of spiritual formation, when we pay attention to our own soul and the process of becoming more like Jesus, it is also about loving our neighbor. It's also about being the expression of God to the world. And last, I'll leave you with this. Before we head to the communion table, which is a beautiful way to practice the presence of Jesus this morning together. Um, But Ruth Haley Barton says this about spiritual formation and about its process. Is that it delights God. It is good for us and it's good for the world.